0: hey guys this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined from three thousand miles away by the one and only jason waller how are you i'm good thank you so much for having me what's going on today i see you got your coffee as well
1: dude i got the water i got the coffee all i'm ready to coffee. roll Uh, Been up since five. Uh, It's the dad life, you know, so just moving and shaking, uh, do my morning routine, get my little exercise in. And uh, but it's been a good day. Did a bunch of work already. And
0: now I'm here with you. Are you? I mean, I am such a morning person. I wake up at five as well. And usually am in the gym by seven. So,
1: well, it's so crazy because during uh i I'm, I am a morning person, but ever since quarantine covid all this stuff like my i started getting sleeping in later and later, I got to about seven thirty eight o'clock which is like not me at all i'm usually four thirty five o'clock uh kind of guy so i I actually just rebooted myself as of a few days ago, so i'm getting back up early again
0: that makes sense, and how is quarantine life going uh man it is. Honestly,
1: it's, I mean, it's, I'm over it. It's, it's, it's been a long time, you know, but I've taken a lot of good out of this. Uh, I've spent a lot of quality time with my wife and daughter, uh, you know, my parents, my, my brothers, my sister. Uh, so I've made the most out of it, you know, and, and really turned a negative situation into a positive. Uh, that's all we can do. Right. And, uh, unfortunately on the work side of stuff, it's been busier than ever, uh, I work in mental health and substance abuse, and I I, I I say we have a pandemic within a pandemic because we have more people dying from suicide, overdoses, and the mental health struggle than COVID itself. And again, COVID needs to be treated. and needs to be taken as that. But we've been dealing with how many hundreds of thousands of people have died over the years from opiates and suicide. Uh, I just wish we would have taken one one-hundredth of a percent of what we've done to COVID towards mental health and substance abuse, and we would have saved hundreds of thousands of lives, um, but it's sad, you know, so it's, it's, it's been very busy, uh, you know, but again, in general for me, life is,
0: is really good. Do you see an increase like because of COVID with like depression and like substance abuse? Like, is that why you're busier? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's been, look, substance abuse
1: in general is the leading cause of death for 50 year old individuals and younger. That's the new statistic that came out as of I think I want to say 2018 or 19, don't quote me on that, but it is the leading cause of death for 50 year old individuals and younger. But you put a bunch of people that, uh, you know, need that human connection, the longest living study, which was done at Harvard is around happiness is human connection. You take a lot of those people that need that interaction and you throw them in isolation, you know, obviously the, the suicide's going to go up, but you also look at the statistics and the facts. I mean, alcohol sales are up almost 300% marijuana sales are up 400%. Uh, You give people free money. You don't have them have motivation or passion or
0: or something to look forward to. You're going to go down a negative route. I could see that. So talk, I mean, I could totally see that. So talk to me about your work with substance abuse. I mean, I know, you know, and just talk to me about what you're doing with life.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, look, I think the the, the, the biggest thing is obviously, I went through a very, very public w- battle with addiction. You know, I struggled a lot with with substance abuse. Uh, looking back when I was young, I can really identify how I had a lot of the tendencies of alcoholism before I even picked up the drink or the drug at 12, 13 years old, the insecurities, the self shaming and, and all these things. Um, and having that going through that on such a public platform, it's just incredible to see what you know what happens when you surrender, when you throw your hands up, you're willing and you take direction, how you can totally turn your life around. And I basically have, have, have taken my story to, and, and continued it on the public level to give people hope and inspiration. Um, you know, again, there's so many people that struggle with this and it's something that I hold very closely to myself because a large uh, portion of my family struggles with some form of substance abuse or mental health. Uh, and since I got sober originally back in 2010, nine other family members of mine have uh, entered into recovery. So it's been a very, you know, not only for myself, but, uh, for the family component it has been very, very meaningful for me. Um, but I, 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 just, I want to be a resource for people that are struggling, be, uh, you know, an advocate, uh, and a place people can come to, you know, people that can feel safe, uh, create more conversation around this. There's been so much, uh, stigma associated with, with substance abuse. Um, you know, and it's, it's gotten better over the course of time, but the more we talk about it, the, the, the better off it is. I mean, one out of four people struggle with, with mental health. Uh, one out of seven people struggle with substance abuse. I mean, it's, it's something that's out there. Uh, And, you know, it's just, it's talking about it, you got to create the conversation. And I help people on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, like I said, this morning, that two different individuals, Uh, one is a a family friend of ours, who's actually their friends, uh, committed suicide. So dealing with that side of stuff this morning, and then you know another family friend that is is struggling uh, with heavy heavy substance abuse, and it's it's helping them navigate uh, and understand. You know, because there's been a lot of negative connotation around treatment. You know, over the past few years, there's been all this stuff around treatment, and a lot of what you heard is is true in certain areas. Uh, but it's also important for people to understand that treatment does work and recovery is possible. Uh, you know, so out of the 16,000 facilities that are out there. I really, you know, highlight and educate, you know, the the 10% that I would refer to, um, you know, that do offer amazing work and that do do uh, incredible things for people and help people get to the right place is really what I do is I'm, I'm kind of a connector.
0: And how do people like, do people just reach out to you now? Like, do you like partner with certain like organizations? Like how do people find you? I mean, yeah, other than so the I fact mean, that it's out there. That this yeah, is, yeah.
1: So, I mean, people reach out. And again, is, is I have a whole team now of, of people where we've vetted a lot of different facilities. Uh, the, and it, again, it's such an individualized thing. I mean, what I went through versus what the next guy went through may be very different. You know, it's same painting, different colors. But what their, what their lifestyle is like, what it is that they're going through, what it is that they struggled with, whatever it may be, the trauma, the mental health, it's important to get a very good snapshot of, we call it a biopsych social, of their history and what they're going through currently to know where they need to go, because there's not a one size all fits model. You know, everybody thinks you go to this treatment for 30, 60 days and you're, you're healed and you're, you know, you're on your way. That's not the truth. I always say it's hard to, it's not hard to get sober. It's hard to stay sober because it's important you get to a place that can actively arrest the disease, get you stabilized, get you into a place where you can actually really focus on the core issues, which is yourself, remove the substances that those were our solutions. We used to lean on those to, to provide us relief. Uh, but when we're left with ourselves, that's where the real work happens. And it, and it takes a minimum of 90 days for your brain to really get into a place where you can process and, and, maintain that information. Uh, and then the journey begins after you actually leave treatment. So it's a, it's a lot more comprehensive than the average person knows. It's a lot more, it's very multifaceted. Uh, it's a very complex disease. Um, and there just needs to be more education about it. That's why I'm I'm grateful for individuals such as yourself being able to open up and, and
0: use your platform to talk about this. Anytime. And I appreciate you being here. Tell me about the red songbird foundation.
1: Oh man, incredible organization! So the Red Songbird Foundation. Uh, I am a co-chair with the founder Hillary Roberts, uh, who is another amazing individual. She's dedicated her life to recovery. She's got one hell of a story. That's somebody that I definitely think if you haven't spoken to her, you need to connect with her. Uh, you know, she, she makes my story look PG, which is is crazy. I mean, she's just a, a, an amazing woman. But we basically both dedicated our lives to helping individuals heal from the darkness of their past. And what we really do is we provide education. We provide scholarships uh, specifically for individuals that don't have the means to get the help that they need. Um, And we provide resources uh, and, and we provide a ton of uh, on our website, we have a ton of different information for people. Again, just like what we talked about is giving people tools to be able to help them equip with whether, whether they struggle. How do you know if you have, you know, mental health issues? How do you know if you have, you've struggled with trauma how do you know if uh, you're struggling with alcoholism or addiction? Uh, and what are the necessary steps to take? Um, so it's really a resource. You know what I mean? We're not attached with any treatment centers. We're not attached with any you know, insurance companies. We're a freestanding uh, individual resource that we just basically are like, there's nothing out there. Because if I were to ask you, where do you, if you were struggling with substance abuse or mental health, where would you go?
0: Cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, Three Ten is celebrating a new year of goals with code Velvet Rope and giving our listeners fifty percent off up to one hundred dollars off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code Rope right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code Rope. Yeah. My guess
1: my guess would be Google, and, and Google is dictated by SEO and search words, and uh, whoever's paying the highest for it is going to, you know, they're going to offer you dolphin therapy and all these different things. So, again, there's we want the thing that's closest to what it is that we're doing is probably like the Salvation Army where it's really a a really, really good program, but it's kind of more around the education. We don't have a brick and mortar facility or anything. Um, And we're just, we, we, we get funds from, from donors. (coughs) And those funds go into, excuse me, into our education into our seminars. Like we have a bunch of different uh, events coming up. Like we're giving a scholarship away uh, at Nancy Davis's Race to Erase MS, her son who passed away, Jason Davis. We're doing a scholarship for somebody that struggles with multiple sclerosis, but also depression and suicide is a huge, huge thing uh, and with people with MS. So we're actually providing a scholarship for the depression side and the MS for them to be able to get help. Um, and then we actually have another 90-day scholarship that we're giving away that was uh, given to us by a dear friend of ours, Jana Woodbury, uh, for another person, another female that is struggling with substance abuse and trauma. Um, and then we have a, a seminar coming up in uh, October, I believe. Let me make sure real quick. Yeah,
0: I think October 24th.
1: Yeah, we have a lot going on. October with Tim Story. who's a uh, He's a mentor of mine. Love the guy to death. He's, he's uh, literally one of the most motivational people ever, but he's hosting a uh, 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 setting your comebacks and into uh, and co- setting your setbacks and the comebacks. He's doing a whole thing for people and raising awareness on that with all of his professionals. And so we just have a lot of amazing things going on. Uh, but our primary focus is in substance abuse, mental health, and of course, trauma.
0: That makes sense. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's great about the scholarships too. I mean, that's gotta help.
1: And it, 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 it's, it's again, there's a lot of our resources go to the education because again, this treatment is expensive, right? Right. And, and we'd rather be able to impact tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and hopefully millions of people through education. We hope to be that number one resource that you go to just to get information, how to properly vet a treatment facility, you know, we just the go-to resource and you're like, Hey, I'm struggling with these three things. You go to our site and it will be able to guide you and give you direction. Uh, that's our ultimate goal. Um, but again, is we more so as we want to be able to help those people because insurance doesn't cover what it used to cover uh, and, and people just don't have the resources to get this help. You know, we need more facilities out there. We need the government to get more involved. We need, you know, we need, and that's the thing is out of the 16,000 plus facilities that are out there and a lot of the ones that don't operate, we need all these facilities to, to, to foster the amount of people that are struggling. So it's, it's, we need more of these places.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: Not, let me, not the bad ones, but we need we need tons more places, and we need a higher ethicality of, of for when people get into it. I think that's the biggest thing is the barrier to get into treatment into this into the business side of stuff there's not a big enough barrier you know because you have two guys uh, at a bar that want to open a sober living and they put the funds together and be able to do it. there needs to be a higher there needs to be a higher barrier to entry
0: right and some standard you know yeah. for, with you know, people like yourself that are in the know versus people that just decide this is the next thing that they want to do with their lives. Yeah. So I want to talk about more of that, but I feel like I like to do with everyone, you know, really to understand your story, I like to go back kind of to the beginning.
1: Whatever you want to do, brother.
0: So, I mean, you're originally from Laguna Beach. Yep. Laguna Beach High School.
1: Yep, born and raised in Newport at Hogue Hospital
0: and then grew up in Laguna Beach, California. And you still live in that area now?
1: Still move. Yeah, I, I basically, I'll give you a snapshot, is I grew up in Orange County, Laguna Beach specifically, until I was about 17, moved to L.A. until my mid-20s, uh, until I basically exhausted every single thing that I could up there uh, and needed to turn my life around. And then since then, I moved back to Orange County, and I've been here ever since.
0: That's good. And I mean, like, to your point, like you say, you know, you're helping your family out, like, when quarantine you know, like, it's, you're lucky you're near all your family. Like, you know, it's all these people who, like, can't travel to see their families now or their family. So, at least you're very close blessed. to all. I mean, I got 24
1: family members that live within a – literally within a 15-mile radius. Wow.
0: So it's pretty, pretty amazing. That is amazing. So, Laguna Beach, Laguna Beach High School. So, now, when you were going to high school and minding your own business in 2004, when MTV decides to come in – You know, how did you feel, you know, like you're just like an average high school student. Like, how do you feel about, you know, your friends, Kristen and Elsie and Steven being cast on this reality show? Like that must have been surreal. So
1: it it was, it's so funny you bring that up because I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. A lot of people don't know that when the first season of the show was being casted, I was actually out in Provo, Utah at boarding school uh, at 17 years old. And I was I was made aware, you know, through mutual friends and obviously I had communication with everybody back home that MTV was coming in. They were doing this show based off the, you know, the the OC on the show on Fox and they were doing like a real life version of it. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, didn't really know what to expect. And and they literally I was gone for the duration of when they shot. And, you know, I think I, I think I got home around when they were wrapping the first season uh and just really didn't think much of it and the show came out it did good and you know it was it was cool to watch obviously I knew some of the cast and it was was fun to see kind of what they what they did but that was that was I didn't really think much of it honestly
0: you weren't envious like why am I at boarding school in Utah and my friends I mean at MTV at that point was like you know it for reality TV you know you weren't like why the hell can't i be on tv i mean it's not for everyone but i would think as a high schooler that's like a natural thing for reaction no i mean
1: on, honestly it was it's it was i thought it was cool that it was going on but it was one of those things too at you know, the state i was in at, and the age i was at the group of people i was hanging out with were kind of like ah, even though Talon was a part of our inner circle Kristen and all them and we're kind of like, ah, it's not really us. We don't want a bunch of tourists coming here. You know, we're like, we wanted to be like the locals only thing. And I actually didn't even want to do the show when the, it got brought up to me. Um, after when they they knew a second season was going to come out, and I was approached because people had heard the dynamic of the relationships I was in. They heard kind of my troubled, you know, my early troubles of what was going on, the reason why I was at boarding school, you know, ditching school, starting to get into drinking, and they're like, this would be a perfect opportunity, and I did not. I I was very reluctant to do it, and I was actually convinced uh, by some friends, but more so by my parents, like, hey, it would be really cool to have your senior year documented. It's something that, you know, most people don't have, and you'll be able to look back 20 years from now. And, uh, you know, the first season it did well, but it it didn't really – I don't think it took off like it did until, like, the second season. And it became this phenomenon, you know. I had no idea the success it was going to have. Uh, and lo and behold, it, it became everybody's biggest nightmare. So, I mean, it, it, that's kind of really how it
0: transpired. What were your reservations, like, and not being sure that you wanted to do it before your parents were like, hey, it's cool to have this documented?
1: I just didn't really, I mean, it was all so new to me. I just, I didn't really, I, I was somebody that was very, I, I was, I like to be to myself, you know, to some degree. It was more, you know, I was, I was, I'm a very you know, I have a lot of energy. I'm very out there kind of guy, but also I I have my reservations in certain areas and I was never prone to like, Hey, let's have a camera crew follow you around. And like, and I was getting into trouble and stuff. And I was like, I don't know that I really want this, you know, to be followed. And it was also kind of like the, I don't really think it's a, I I thought I didn't think it was that cool of an idea to do it then, you know, it was just more, I just kind of thought it was, it was kind of dorky and uh, wasn't, it wasn't for me.
0: And then you decided to do it, and then that was that, and then Laguna Beach went on, but we have this little spinoff called The Hills. Yep. So you were on that. So, I mean, were you shocked? Because that's when, to me, it really took off. I mean, Laguna Beach obviously was a big hit, but The Hills was, like, insane. Like, were you shocked at how big this thing became?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was. I, I couldn't believe the success that it had. I mean, I'll never forget. It was. It was crazy uh even going back to Laguna is when like the, the commercials started coming on and I remember like in movie theaters like they were showing previews and stuff at least in Southern California and the next day like after I'd heard people like oh we saw you at the movie theater or we saw you on a commercial like I'll never forget going down to main beach and going to the gas station I always go to at mobile and like I just got bombarded with people and I was just like what the hell like you know I had no idea and obviously it, it, it was, you get, there's, there's a cool fact. There's a feeling like a factor that you get out of that. You're like, well, this is, this is rad. Like, you know, people starting to know who you are and it, it obviously it, it makes you get this inflated ego. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, that, that stems into a lot of where my issues stem from, uh, overinflated ego, underestimated sense of self-worth, uh, you know, validating and dictating who I was based on people's opinions and what I had versus what I really thought of myself. And, um, you know, but I was blown away with the success. I mean, the show is, it. it I, I can say this, and, and at least in my opinion, is the show revolutionized the way re- t- reality television is done.
0: I think so. I mean, when people ask me my favorite reality shows, The Hills is 100%, like, on my short list of probably top three. So I think it kind of revolutionized TV as well, as far as reality. Yeah. I mean, did it kind of, did it feel like it was overnight? Like, you know, you were one day walking into the gas station and that's it. And the next day you're It was, being it
1: was literally overnight. It was overnight. I mean, I was supposed to, I, I grew up my whole life, you know, playing baseball. It was something that I dedicated my, you know, from literally when I was five years old until 16 and a half, 17 years old. when I started to get into trouble. I ended up having shoulder surgery and I was just to, to, I was actually supposed to go to college for baseball and and then this whole entertainment thing came into play and it was just like everything shifted didn't go to college ended up going into the entertainment space uh you know at 18 years old making the money we were making i mean i was being paid to party travel the world you know most of your friends are looking for fake ids uh and you know i thought i was living the dream it was it was one of those things where you get so caught up in it and there's nobody you could really talk to or relate to for advice or suggestion i mean my parents most parents have financial restraint on you when you're in your college age. I mean, they're paying for your school. They're doing all these things that you may have a little bit of money if you're working and stuff, but we were making so much money, not from necessarily from the show, but everything else that came from the show, whether it's endorsements, or like I said, appearances, different cameos on things. And, uh, you know, you just, you, you're at 18 and you have, you kind of have free reigns and, uh, it could be, again, is, is, I was already in, very deep in addiction at that time. Uh, it got much worse. But when you're in that state, I mean, it, was just, it just manifested everything. And it was kind of like my way or the highway. Uh,
0: and that's how it dominoed. That makes sense. I could see that. I mean, especially if you're struggling with those issues to begin with. Yeah. I would think that this would intensify it.
1: It did. I mean, it, it's like I, people always ask, oh, did the show cause, you know, your addiction? It's like, no, dude, I, I had addiction way before the show had started. You know, it did. It added fuel to the fire. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm happy, though, the way it happened, because I, I ultimately had this gene. I mean, there's also a big piece of this is people don't understand about 20 percent of people who struggle with addiction. actually have a genetic makeup that are predisposed to addiction. Uh, and I'm definitely one of those people. Uh, and I'm happy that it wasn't like a slow pickaxe chipping away and I'm at forty five years old with you know a little family and and my whole life unravels. I'm happy that it happened the way it did it, you know from eighteen to twenty three is when things were the gnarliest and uh, I'm happy everything was condensed. I mean look, I'm not stoked the way on, on some of my behaviors and and things that happen, but in regards to the way it happened, I, there's so many people that struggle in their 50s, 60s. Like I said, one of the people I was talking to this morning was and it's, it's 57. It's just like, and they have a family. You got all, It's just like, I don't want to be in that spot. I'm so happy I have the education and the knowledge that I do today versus trying to go through it then.
0: And so like this was, you know, in your genetic makeup, and I've read up on this, and I, that makes sense to me. So it's not caused by the show. But do you think like the show exacerbated it? I mean, imagine like you had girls, money, like no one said no, I would assume. You want yeah, to go like to any I mean, club
1: like 18 years old, we were literally being paid to go to clubs, you know, and, and, uh, it, it, it added fuel to the fire. I mean, it, it just made everything, it, it just, it, it made everything times 10 times a hundred.
0: Did you like the actual process of filming, you know, or were you like, Oh, I got to go to work now. You know, I mean, no, you're not going to say was, it. Look, I, I, I'll give you like back. Like when it's
1: it's so different from like the the Hills New Beginnings now to like when from like season two of Laguna Beach to like season, you know, one, two of the, and three of the Hills, uh, and some of the other shows that I did, like Celebrity Rehab and the Celebrity Rap Star with the show with Kevin Hart. I mean, those shows were so different, where it was like it was it was and I was also in my disease too. So it was kind of more of this kind of it was a part of the cycle versus now. Filming's a lot different when you're sober uh, and you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're conscious and cognitive of everything that's going on around you. And you're a lot more mindful. Um, But I, I I mean, there was times where I didn't, you know, I was like, I didn't want to film, but it was, it wasn't like it was, it was, it was just, I took it as it was. It was whatever.
0: That makes sense. And then, I mean, oh, this topic has been discussed ad nauseum. but the hills real or fake, where do we Tell me about that for people living on your rock. Look, I'll tell you
1: from everybody has gotten different. There's there's different things that have happened on the show for different individuals, different castmates. They had different experiences and different things. And I, and I want to be mindful of that, right? For me is a lot of the scenarios like, yeah, is editing have a part in it. And do, do they, you know, do they add things to maybe heighten things? Yes. But like a lot of my stuff on Laguna beach and the Hills, all those things were real. Again, I wasn't on season four, five, six, seven, eight, like the rest. I mean, this show may have evolved over that. Um, you know, and in the new show, a lot of the stuff that happens in my life is, is real. A lot of the stuff that you're seeing is, is, is what's going on. Is, are there certain situations like back in season, I think it was, I don't know if it was two or three of the Hills when I reconnected with Lauren and we went to to dinner you know of of whereas Heidi and Spencer really sitting across at the the same restaurant as us on on uh like by coincidence no I mean they were they were asked to be there uh but so but the reactions and everything you saw they're real you know so uh that was my take and I know there's other casts that have had different experiences where things were and again is I wasn't on the the season three through the remainder whatever it was or four I don't even remember which ones I was on back then, but that was my take is 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 the, it, was, it was a soft scripted show. The situations and their friendships and the relationships are real. Some of the scenarios are, are thrown at you. Uh, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense, which I think that's reality TV anyway. I mean, yeah. you know, like when you're calling someone and they pick up a hundred percent at a time, that's not real life. Like, I mean, so. And I think that's like, you hit the nail on the head. I mean,
1: it's, Look, it's, they also have to create a storyline, right? I mean, there's got to be some structure to it. Like, yeah, it was like did Lauren, was really Lauren really going to, you know, like fashion, did she always want to do that? hundred percent, but like the setups and her going to Teen Vogue and all these different things were, they were parts of the show. I mean, those are things that she aspired and wanted to do, um, but they were also implemented into
0: the show. That makes sense. And the whole Lauren not going to Paris. Oh, well, that was real. That was real. I mean, that's what I thought. Yeah. And now Lauren is forever known as the girl who didn't go to Paris.
1: Hey, but hey, look at it. I look at it this way. She can go to Paris whenever she wants
0: now. That is very true. She's (laughs) done well for herself. (laughs) Done very well. Do you still talk to her? Like when's the last time you spoke to her? We used to talk, you know, we used to check in every
1: once in a while and stuff. But as we've gotten older, I'd say last time I talked to her, maybe like a year ago, maybe, probably. um but it's it's more of there's no there's no like bad blood it's just more uh we've kind of gone our own our own ways I mean if we see each other we're obviously we're friendly and um you know but she's got a family she's doing her thing uh I'm doing my thing uh you know but she's doing well I'm happy for her proud of her and you know she's 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 a good person
0: that's good look she's built a really great business you know yeah what about so you left the hills like you said you weren't there the whole time so i mean was your leaving like your choice was that due to like what you were going through and like the partying and substance it was a a
1: combination of everything it was more of like i at that time towards the end of it i wasn't accountable i wasn't showing up to anything obviously with it being you know lauren's uh show and it was, you know, I, there could have been more. I, I think if, if if I was not in active addiction like I was, there could have been opportunities to continue on and do go about it. But I think also it happened the way it did is Heidi broke up with Jordan at that time. Brian kind of got put out of the picture, uh, and it was kind of like all the girls now are, you know, single. Let's 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 take it at a, at a new effect. And like I said, I made little appearances here and there as the show went on um, because Lauren and I still talked back then and. Um, but I really think, I mean, a big contributing factor to everything that happened was, was addiction. Um, you know, I mean, I think everything would be different if I wasn't three sheets to the wind, you know, seven days a week.
0: I mean, do you remember, to that point, like, do you remember a lot of, like, that, you know, because you said that was, like, when you were in the thick of it, or as, like, filming the hills? When I left
1: the show, it got worse, um, because, I mean, I had some accountability, not that I necessarily stuck to it back then, um, but when the show got off, it just went straight to this partying every day, uh, and, and living that life, you know, and I, I think right after like season, yeah, about right around season two, three is when like, I went and started to get help, uh, didn't take it too seriously. I mean, from 18 to 23, I went to, to 12 different treatment centers, you know, it was just in and out, in and out, in and, and out until I ended up getting into celebrity rehab. And there was a, a moment of clarity before that because I actually went into celebrity rehab sober, where most people go in there and they're detoxing and all that. I went in sober because uh, there was a moment that, that happened uh, where the light came on. But addiction took me not only to contemplation, but actually attempting suicide. And, you know, it got very, very dark very quick um, down that path.
0: And did your castmates know what was going on? Like, even though you said it got worse after, you know what I mean? Like, were you showing up late was that obvious or you kind of just hid that from most people
1: Well, when i was on the show like i mean we all lived i mean like lauren and i and heidi and dort we all lived together heidi and Jordan broke up so it was like just heidi lauren and i and um you know they obviously knew what i was going through i mean it was very apparent that the struggle was was there and real but after i kind of i just after the breakup i i went on my own way
0: and so you said you know like you contemplate like Taking your own life. I mean, you were arrested. I think I read 12 times. So I need it. It's funny.
1: I always say at least a dozen times. I need to find that number out for sure. It was a lot. I, I would say at least a dozen, but I need to find that number out.
0: And you were just so gone that like when you were getting arrested, like you weren't scared. It just didn't cross your mind. You were just like, let me get out of here so I can chase the fix. It,
1: it was just the process, you know? I mean, it wasn't like I couldn't wait to get in trouble it was, and that's, that's like addiction. It's not like I w- wake up and I'm like, Oh, how can I destroy my life today? And how can I, you know, how can I ruin more relationships, more friendships, more, you know, anything that I come across, it was like a tornado but when you're in active addiction i mean you really lose your right to make your own decisions and again is is i was at a place where i needed the process to be disrupted you know and and there was multiple many interventions and multiple treatment stents, the jail thing and and again is but a part of addiction is you're a mass manipulator and you know it's almost like a survival gene when you're in that that space you're trying to just get that fix and to maintain on that level that you're in because the way I explained using it was like obviously at 17 18 19 At first it was fun it became a lifestyle and then it became a way of survival uh, I didn't know how to like function in life without it you know I lost all coping skills it, it, a big part of it is when you have addiction is we all have frontal cortexes which is the executive part of your brain which is it helps you with your decision-making on a daily basis and when you're in an active addiction, basically it completely closes off. And so that's what was happening is I was not even, it was almost, I was operating out of a reptilian brain, just almost, you know, in survival mode um, until, like I said, I had that that moment where I was in the therapy office with my parents. Uh, and yet again, it was, I don't know, five thousandth therapy session where never seen my dad break down before and he just looked over at me and this is after the suicide this is like things weren't like that bad at this time it was like so I had gone through all the arrests all the treatment stuff and then I got a DUI like so I was doing okay for like six months like trying to I was going in and out but like I was doing better and then I got a DUI which a lot of people thought I had a bunch of DUIs I only have one DUI which is more than enough but that happened and it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back to like if I don't know, I don't know how that didn't happen before, but it came to a point where the the light came on for my parents. My dad in the therapy session just looked at me, and I've never seen him break down besides when his mom died. And he uh, he just looks across and he goes, "Look, Jason, I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, you know, your mom and I they've been married at that they've been married over forty six years now, and at that time is in their mid thirties in their marriage. Uh, thirty, I want to say, say thirty five years of marriage, and they just they said, "Look, our marriage is suffering." Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's just no intimacy. There's nothing there. Uh, we're like two planks of wood, uh, laying in bed, waiting for the phone call that you're dead. And for whatever reason, like, and as a tear came down his face and it's like, I didn't have enough motivation for myself, uh, to stop drinking. Like I said, because of the suicides, all these different things, I needed something else to grasp onto, but there was a light that came on and that was like my, kind of like my spiritual intervention and my connection. And I have, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe in God and um and i i really think that was that aha moment uh because then july 23rd 2010 I'll, I'll never forget that's where i can really say my shift from just doing it to appease people really and and i don't want to sound contradicting because it was to it wasn't appeasing it was more of like i want to do this because of the harm i'm doing to them i don't care enough about myself but that's where that real moment came in because there was all these other times with judges girlfriends I'm going to go to treatment. I'll get help. But deep down, I was like, I'm not getting sober. Like, I was like, I'll just do this to get everybody off my back or this. I was like, I will fully entrench myself. So that's when I went away. And uh, that's when I I ended up acquiring multiple years of sobriety after that. Um, And that was, that was the turning point.
0: Wow. So it was really for your parents from this therapy session.
1: Yeah. And then over time, it transitioned, obviously, as my life got better about six to nine months, you know, it became something that I loved where things were at, things were going, like started to get good, started getting developing a career. And like, I I was, you know, totally kind of uh, removed myself from the entertainment side of stuff and totally dedicated myself to sobriety. And and it became something I did for myself. Uh, But I needed something for me, uh, because you hear a lot of people talk about, oh, you have to be willing and wanting to do it. So yeah, for a lot of cases that is true. But for me, it was like, dude, I had everything in the world and I didn't want to be here. You know what I mean? Like I, I grew up with a successful family. I grew up with all the, you know, whether it was girls, money, notoriety, all the things people strive for. And it was just like an empty, empty shell. Um, and there was no, there was no passion. There was no motivation.
0: There was no purpose. Right. Like on the outside you had it all money, yeah. fame, girls, So once you decided you went, you got help and you kind of the light went on, like, how did you go from that to kind of like, this is my job now, like advocacy and like, kind of like, how did that transition happen?
1: Well, after I got, after I got sober, you know, and I did, did the celebrity rehab and, uh, you know, remove myself. I ended up, it was asked to be on the board for the Los Angeles mission with, you know, Kurt and Douglas is, is very known for, uh, being a big part of that. It's a 156,000 square foot facility in downtown Los Angeles. They foster and shelter over 500 homeless people, provide over 1500 meals, have a year long and an 18 month long program for people for reintegration back into society. Really cool. So I started to get involved and I started to be of service and give back. And uh, somebody that owned a treatment center, uh, this guy by the name of Mike Netherton and Paul Alexander, Mike Netherton was the president of Betty Ford for 20, 20 something years, worked directly with Betty. And I knew he was a great person. I stayed in touch with Dr. Drew and kind of had these really good mentors in this space. And like, hey, it'd be amazing for you to come work and, and uh, you know, be a part of what we're doing. I think you have an amazing story. And so I actually uh, took a job with this place called Northbound back in the day where I was a client advocate. So when people would come into treatment, uh, you know, a lot of it was a younger demographic. So a lot of them knew who I was and like, what the hell are you doing here? And I'm like, you know, this is this is what I've done for. I've changed my life around and, you know, I'd help them get acclimated and acquainted and, and share my story. And basically um, the position that I was in is, is there's a thing called uh, leaving against it's AMA leaving against medical advice or ACA leaving against clinical advice that went down almost 90 something percent when I took on this role, um, which was, which was incredible because a lot of these people that would leave after getting in the detox, wanting to go, uh, I ended up building a whole team around that and we ended up, creating this thing called client services program uh, that really fostered into uh, alumni that also helped with activities. And we created this whole program and and developed and just became one of those, it was just kind of like a snowball effect where it just kept going and going. And I worked in the trenches for many years, got to get really uh, well-versed and understood uh, how the disease of addiction really operated beyond just what I had gone through and had very good mentors and still to this day have some of the best that are out there. Um and you know what? Why would why wouldn't I want to learn more about what it is that I struggle with and that so many families struggle with? And so it was just naturally it was like I said God put this all in my like what's the likelihood that I would be paid to party and and literally you know market and promote alcohol and and drinking and drugs to being paid to not do that you know and to be able to advocate on the other end and you know it's like the hills it's like. I honestly had no idea or had any motivation to be back on TV. Life is good. Everything was going really well, but it was also kind of like, it's, I feel like part of the service work of, of what I do is like being the drunk, womanizing alcoholic in 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 to being the person that's married, sober has got a family. Like I, I just feel like God keeps lining these things up. Um, and it's, it's something that is become you know, my, my passion and, and something that I love to do, it's not work for me. Um, you know, I get to help people out and make a difference. And it's, it's amazing on holidays to get tons of people reaching out to saying, Hey, we had another sober Christmas, another sober New Year's, sober Easter, you know, thank you so much for being a part of my son or my daughter or my husband or wife, my cousin, uncles, you know, sobriety. And it's, it's, it's empowering, you know, there's no amount of money or drugs that you could take that gives you that type of high. And I just think we live in such a false sense of reality today that so many people try to achieve or feel those, those highs when it, it, it starts within yourself.
0: That makes sense. Well, how big a role did Dr. Drew play in celebrity rehab and all Dr. That?
1: Drew played, he's played a huge part. I mean, in celebrity rehab, it, it was, you know, he did what he was doing. I mean, he was dealing with very sick people. I mean, he had, you know, you had Janice Dickinson, you have Leif Garrett, you got all, you know, Jason Davis, you have all these people, all of us. I mean, even me when I was, newly sober I was not not necessarily the easiest person to be around uh but he did the best that he possibly could under the circumstances that were there I mean he tried shedding light on addiction and you know a lot of people you know gave him a lot of flack and a lot of you know heat for doing the show but I also think you know he he also brought a ton of awareness to addiction and a lot of people what people were going through and he was he was good during the show but he was even better after
0: have you kept in touch with Janice Dickinson
1: yeah, stay in touch with her. We were really close for a while, but when she got married and doing her stuff again is a lot. I, I, ever since I had a kid, a lot more. I've become a lot more, you know, just involved with the family. And time is limited. Time's the most valuable thing you have. And we stay in touch. She's I love her. She's a sweet lady, uh, but not like we used to.
0: Janice is a trip.
1: She's a trip, man. She's gone through a lot. She's gone she's through a trap,
0: and she's been very open about her struggles and story as well.
1: Yeah, well, she's got, I mean, I'm, I mean, for somebody to go through what she went through and to make it where she's at today is pretty impressive, you know?
0: Completely. So speaking of a family, so you're, you know, now you're, you've gotten help and like advocacy is your life. Now talk to me about meeting Ashley.
1: Ashley, uh, I met Ashley, I met her before I got sober, uh, through mutual friends, you know, didn't really stay in touch after that a year had went by after celebrity rehab, you know, I think I was coming up on around nine or 10 months of sobriety and we reconnected and, you know, she knew I was, I was pretty crazy before, before I'd gotten sober. And she's, and she was like, what, you know, cause I'd wanted, to, we'd wanted to get back together, but she was she had heard I was sober. So she was open to the idea and we ended up reconnecting. And it was like that first date where, uh, everything just aligned, you know, we ended up, uh, it's, it's funny. I'll share a little side story with you is because when I was dating people too, I'd always run into some crazies. So I would bring friends on first dates. Like I'd literally bring a group of people like, yeah, let's all get together. We're going to go on a first date. Like, because there's people that I literally had to leave with friends, like where I'm like, oh my God, an emer- like you could tell this person's a stage five clinger. Like I I, I just didn't want to be a part of it. Didn't want to be stuck with this person. So Ashley died when we went to this, our first date. And I had had a couple buddies with me. And then after like an hour, I'm like, she's kind of normal. You guys, you guys can leave. And we ended up having like a real first date after that. And, uh, I'll never forget when I was driving her home and stuff, we just laughed so hard, you know, and it was just kind of like that spark again had come on, like from, I hadn't felt that in in years. And, uh, when we first started dating, you know, and I asked her to be my girlfriend, uh, you know, she came from a good family and. Uh, but the thing that I knew, or she like became like, the person I was going to marry is, is a, a, a couple weeks after we, uh, you know, s- started dating and got serious. She's like, Hey, look, like, I know you're, you know, you're sober and I want to support that. And she basically stopped drinking for over a year, a year and a half, uh, to, it got to a point where I'm like, Hey, look, like I'm doing really well. And I appreciate that. But like you, that, that's what a normie should be able to do is to be able to just leave it or take it, um, and it got to a point where i was like ashley you can have a glass of wine like i'm okay you know and but she's just been so committed and so dedicated to our marriage to our family to me um you know without her i probably wouldn't be alive you know and she's uh she's an incredible person
0: were the, the stage five clingers you mentioned was that like hills related I mean like did you were you dating a lot of girls that were like okay well I mean I want to go on a date with you because you're on the hills I mean uh, you know I, other I mean, reasons I, too. I, I,
1: I think there was a preconceived notion around that I mean I think some people knew it I mean I was dating all all ages some people knew who I was some people didn't but it was I mean you just there's, there's weird people out there man
0: this is true yeah and then did you you know to your point like Ashley knew you know that you were you weren't like like, did you find it hard to date girls and, like, sit tell your story? Like, were their families, you know, were like, oh, he's, like, recovered? Or was that always I mean, the yeah, issue? I mean,
1: look, my history was pretty well known. I mean, it was funny. At, at our wedding, Ashley's dad, one of the first things he said is, Ashley was telling me who, j- who she was dating. And, you know, what is the first thing I did is I Googled him. And, of course, it was, like, arrest, arrest. Like, so the dad was obviously very, like, concerned. But after he met me and he heard my story, you know, he got to know me for who I am. And, uh, you know, again, it's not hard to find out my story. I mean, he ended up doing a true Hollywood story on my, you know, my turnaround. And there's, uh, there's been a lot of positive things that have come out of it. And again, is after, you know, it's when I started dating or when I was with Ashley, it was, you know, and I started meeting her parents, it was after over a year of sobriety. So a lot of stuff had changed. Um, there was a lot of positive that was going on. um, so a lot of the, the negativity, uh, especially on those things, we're getting pushed down thanks to, to new articles and different things coming out. But, you know, people, if people are going to judge you and they don't know you, that's uh, on them. And that's something that I've had to learn is, you know, a big part of it was always being a people pleaser and wanting people to like you. And uh, especially, you know, for myself, I think everybody wants to be liked and uh, it's just a human human tendency. Uh, but when, when I worked on that and I knew the best gift of sobriety was getting to know myself. And once I was content with me, if you don't like me for who I am and I'm, I'm not being an asshole,
0: then you can go kick rocks. So seriously. And I know you mentioned a little bit earlier and I even read this. So like you remind your own business, you're having a great life, you have a wife, and then you're not looking to be back on TV. The Hills, new beginnings, they come knocking on your door. Yep. So what was the motivation? I read somewhere, I think that like really part of it was sharing your story and like get having another platform for that. That's that
1: simply it. It was simply to, uh, we had multiple conversations around, should we do it? Should we not? Should we do it? Um, and it came to, you know, this could be a great opportunity to spread awareness and to share my story and to show people that you can turn around because my exit in the entertainment space was... You know, it was celebrity rehab, and it was kind of like, we don't know what really happened. And and thought it would be cool to come back and, and be in a different spot.
0: Did you keep in touch with, like, Kristen and others? Like, in, you know, I mean, Kristen wasn't a part of it, but, like, in that space, like, were you in touch with, like, Audrina and Whitney and everyone? Or yeah,
1: I mean, I stayed in touch with uh, – from the Hill specifically. Like, we started talking to Spencer and Heidi again and Audrina and Frankie – uh prior probably six months prior to the show being shot it was like when we were all reconnected but um before that no I didn't really talk to anybody I stayed in touch with like I still stay in touch till this day with Talon and Cedric and uh sometimes I'll talk you know uh, communicate with Jessica and Alex you know more of the gonna be like more of my crew that I grew up with whereas yeah. the whole cast was kind of all thrown together um didn't really have a history with them and that was kind of the cool part of redoing the show is I got to meet everybody almost for the first time again. He, yeah, physically, I would, had seen everybody before, but uh, mentally was in a totally different headspace. So it was it was nice to to reevaluate who everybody was and, and kind of who I wanted to connect
0: with. Did you see any other differences like this time around, other than the fact that, you know, you were sober, or was that just really the big difference? Or were you like, okay, reality TV has changed, it's different this time around, just from like a filming? I mean, the biggest, I, I,
1: I, it's... For me, it was this. It was being sober was the biggest change. Um, I mean, again, is everything's completely different when you're sober versus when you're under the influence. So I wouldn't know if it was different or not based on any other experience than just being sober.
0: Did you have to kind of talk Ashley into it? And like, she, you know, you were a veteran. Like, she'd never been on TV before. She like go do you your thing.
1: No, she Ashley's a very like she's a very bubbly personality and she's very likable. And I mean, she's she's always she's done like. Dance. She's always done like uh broad, like Broadway type of stuff when she was younger. She's always kind of in that stuff, and I mean, she was a, a model for Patagonia. She did a ton of different things, so I knew she would be a, an appropriate fit. And it was more of also, I think, a bigger piece was also to when we did this show is because there's a whole other story that we we won't get into is if we don't have the time is is. Um, you know, as I went through a gnarly relapse and so it was for Ashley to be able to show her side of what it's like to go through, uh, as somebody that's married to an alcoholic or an addict, uh, because wherever there's an alcoholic or an addict, there's a codependent and they're sometimes just as sick, if not sicker. And Ashley was a very sick codependent. So I also think it was not only for me to shed light on my story, but Ashley to be able to shed light on her story and also the stuff that she loves doing. I mean, she's amazing at hair, you know, and she's, uh, an, an amazing colorist and she's developing product lines and, She's just a very talented and gifted person and, and she was, she was along for the ride.
0: That makes sense. And I was going to ask you about that. So, I mean, after, so during the Hills, the new beginnings, the first season, you were sober and filmed and then your relapse came after that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there was relapses before that too. Okay. Yeah. So there was like a five year stint of sobriety and then there was about three and a half years of in and out, in and out, in and out. And then a duration of almost, I think it was like seven months uh, and then uh, while we were filming and then relapsed
0: during that process during the show. And you don't, I mean, the relapse this last time that had nothing to do with the show or the pressures of being back on TV.
1: No, the only thing that I think could be related to it is, is with, you know, image and stuff like that. I mean, obviously being, you know, on camera and not being content with, you know, where I'm at physically, um, versus, uh, there was no pressures or different things that made me uncomfortable necessarily. It was more of my, all my own internal stuff. Uh, again, it may have contributed a little bit, but it was not like, you know, this like, Oh, I'm thrown into this world and everything's crazy. I mean, I had a pretty good balance and a pretty good foundation back home, uh, and a good structure of, and a good group of people around me. Uh, so it was more, it was, it was, there was a combination. It was, it was really my own stuff, but it, it was also, you know, not being comfortable with my weight and where I was at that time. And, you know, and being on camera and different things. But again, just another thing to be
0: able to walk through and, and shed light on and, you know, give people hope. Which I know you mentioned, like, you do have, you know, like image issues and body issues, I guess, for lack of a better word, which again, no one would think looking at you that you have these issues. No, I
1: appreciate that. No, it's, uh, again, and I think it's it's really, and it's because it, I just did a post yesterday that that got a lot of traction from people. And, you know, it was really more, For myself, I think the one thing that I like with social media is it's a way to hold myself accountable when I put it out there because, (coughs) you know, when you're in your, I know I'm not old, you know, I'm 33, but I also, your body does change when you, from when I was even 30 to definitely when you're in your mid twenties, just the recovery process of when you work out, if you get hurt, different things like that. And I think in this round of sobriety coming up on almost eight months uh, again is like, there's a lot of things where... I would constantly talk about like, Oh, I'm going to do a diet. I'm going to start working out more. You know, I stay active. I do something active a couple of times a week. And, but I was always like hypercritical of myself, but I would never take action to it. And it's just like with, you know, with addiction, it's like, I got to be willing to put, be all in. I can't have one foot in one foot out. You know, it's like either you're sober or you're not. And it's like for my healthy mentality is either I'm going to, you know, get into that routine. And and the reason why I put it out is so I can hold myself accountable, let guys know that they're not alone. Because I know a lot of guys struggle with this. Um, And, you know, it was just, it was more uh, to, to, to to inspire and motivate others. And it's like, when I put that post out, there was a lot of people that wanted to hop on board around it. And again, is there's not a lot of people that talk about it. And I think so many people have so much shame around that. I mean, a lot of women talk about it and, you know, with anorexia and body dysmorphia and different things where there's a lot of guys, especially when you're a dad, you get dad bods, like a huge thing. Right. So I think it was just, it was really, it it was not a, I want to be very clear. It was not like a cry for attention or sympathy. It was like, dude, this is what I'm going through and it's been something that I've struggled with for a couple of years now and I'm sick and tired of talking about it uh, because I know there's a lot of actions that I could take to make it work. Um, and so now it's, it's you know, day five for me of, of doing something active for 30 minutes a day. Uh, it's, you know, and again, I wanted, when I did the post, it was, I want everybody to be involved, whether it's walking, different things, but I do high intensity, whether it's, you know, uh, um, boxing. We do, me and Ashley do crazy hikes now, bike rides, uh, calisthenics, using your own body weights, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. Um, but I just, I, I'm, I'm basically challenging myself. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to take myself to the next level and I can't do that by just talking about it. I got to take action. So the post is really to be followed up with action.
0: That's true. And that's a great thing about social media. I think you could just reach an audience and respond to people and people can give you feedback right there.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I, I, am happy about it, you know? And again, is, is I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest thing is, is taking action and I'm, not beating myself up like I'm I'm you know, it's it's more of uh it's not like I'm sitting over here like having suicidal ideations about my looks. It's more of like, you know, I'm at a spot where I don't want to be and, and exercises is just so good for you anyways. Your brain produces more potent chemicals than heroin, you just gotta let it work, you know, the serotonin and oh dopamine, it's just naturally good for you anyways. I'm not wanting to have this thirty day reveal where I have like an eight pack and I'm, you know, super shredded. It's more of like I just want to tone up and I wanna be in and I wanna be in a better place.
0: Listen, Corona has not made it easy in that respect. I-, I can tell you. Yeah. So this chat is all about you. It's not about me, but selfishly, I need to ask about Nisha Barton. That's just my own personal. I I, I need to know about Nisha. Yeah.
1: Bless her heart, man. Uh, uh, she uh, she's really sweet. She's nice, you know. But I think for the show, she just wasn't. She she didn't open up enough, you know, about what it is that she was going through and and things that were going on and and it resonated with, with, with the audience, you know, people just felt like she was standoffish. Um, and I mean, she's a nice person. Uh, I wish her all, all the best. Uh, but you know, I just, I don't think she was the right fit. I mean, she's a, she's a full blown actress and I, it's, it's definitely, I can imagine the roles being switched. I mean, trying to throw me into a sitcom or something like that. I mean, you know, it, it's just different
0: were you guys all shocked amongst yourselves like when she was cast were you like calling spencer i
1: thought it was was creatively genius i was like oh the show was inspired off of you know laguna beach was inspired by the oc i was like it's kind of a cool way to throw something in there to have her i never saw the oc i mean obviously i knew who she was um i thought it was smart and i i I thought it was going to be good for the show um i think they had the right intentions but it just wasn't the right fit
0: was it, I mean, I thought she did a great job, but I'm completely biased, so I'm a huge OC fan, so, I mean, Anna Hills. Was it awkward, like, when you guys were filming it? Was it, like, clear to you guys, like, Misha stands out?
1: No, it was more of, like,
0: she was easy to be around. She's really nice
1: and a really, like I said, a sweet girl. It was just more for her. It was, I think, if she was just uncomfortable in the settings. Like, we, I didn't film, I, we'd. The only times I ever filmed with her were like in group settings. So in the group settings, there was always a bunch of chaos going on. So I didn't really know outside of that, but it just seemed like in the individual scenes that, you know, she was just kind of talking about very surface
0: level stuff. I would agree with that. Other than like one or two exceptions, like being a big reality TV person, I personally don't think actress to reality TV has worked in any show other than maybe Lisa Rinna, for The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's just me. Yeah but okay that's again. you guys haven't kept in touch with me so i
1: think i think ashley stays in touch with her i mean i, I stay in touch with audrina i stay in touch with uh frankie uh and A- ashley's really close with frankie's wife jen jen um and we st- we touch base with whitney and stuff but uh and i still talk to brody i don't we really, i don't talk to justin spencer and heidi are kind of doing their own thing right now so
0: What's going on for season two? I mean, there is a season two, we all know. So yeah, we good.
1: started shooting. We were on like episode four and then COVID, man. So everything's shut down, is, is on a hiatus right now.
0: Are you guys excited for season two? Are we going to see more gonna be more way, story? Way, it's going to be
1: way, way better this year.
0: Really? I thought it was great last year. Nah, I,
1: it was okay. I thought it could have been way better, personally. I mean, I, we shot so much and... and I just I think the stuff they used uh, it it was okay you know what I mean but I think it could have been there was I definitely think there was better footage that could have been utilized um, but again is hey look after getting a group of people together that re- weren't really in touch for eight years or whatever it was for me it was like over ten uh, you know to, to go back into into that spot um, you know they did they did good but I think I think the best part is you got everybody together everybody dust got the dust off of them and now you can really see the relationships who's connected who's friends you know because at first everybody's kind of like this it's like any new relationship you're not just going to go swinging uh so i think everybody's more comfortable and i think the the relationships are established now and you know who people's real friends are and who's not
0: is that what exactly you think the big difference is with season two like why do you think it's going to be so much better It's,
1: it's everybody's much more comfortable
0: were you shocked, like, I mean, I live in New York City, like, you guys came to New York, you did a lot of press, I knew, were you shocked at, like, that initial, like, the fanfare is still there all these years later, or were you guys like, no, this is going to be huge, or were you just shocked well, at how people went crazy?
1: I didn't really have any expectation around it, honestly. I mean, my my belief was, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be nearly as big as what it was, um, and, and I don't think it was as big as what it was. I mean, there's still a following and stuff around it, but... I think there's been so many other shows and there's so many different outlets now. Whereas like when the show was on, there was only so much, there was like the Kardashians and I think the house the real housewives was out. You know, I think that that was really what was there, but there's so many different outlets for entertainment now that it's, it's a really hard industry. So uh, I think, I think that it it did well. I think it's going to do a lot better this season um, because you're going to get that more real raw effect. Uh, I think you're going to have a lot more personal stories that are going to be relatable to individuals um but uh it's cool to see that uh, to answer your question i think it's cool to see that there's still a fan base around it
0: there is do you watch any reality tv like adam DeVillo selling sunset are you aware of what a big hit this selling sunset is it's a great show
1: no is that
0: adam did that show yeah no i uh i i well,
1: i know Tarek el muso and i know his his new wife is on there a new fiance um i don't think i'm married or not but uh i'm friends with Tarek. uh i i have not i don't watch it i'm like i watch like the most random shows i watch undercover boss i watch like uh i used to watch like pawn stars uh i watch all those Bear and Sea gold shows i'm more of like the discovery i like shark week um but when you have a little one we watch i watch a lot of mickey mouse uh, a lot of disney stuff uh puppy pals and a lot of uh disney movies
0: (laughs) so shark week is great it's shark week is epic someone was telling me i think yeah like last night or i i didn't watch it but mike mike tyson was just fighting a shark or something yeah mike tyson's a man dude that's i have to i was like someone the other night was like you need to turn on the tv right now i'm like i'm not home (laughs) i can't turn on the tv right now well selling sunset it has a hill's feel it has it's that same Adam is a genius. It's that same, like, cinematography, the same music. It's just real estate. It's great. Yeah, no, He does a good job, man. Adam's a good guy. Two more questions, that I promise we'll wrap up. So what do you think of Kristen Cavalieri's picture that basically broke the internet that you posted last week with Stephen Coletti, where she said 2004 or 2020?
1: I, I think it's great. I mean, I know they've been, they've been friends forever. I mean, I think it's cool that they're still in touch and that they are staying connected. And I mean, Kristen's going through a tough time right now. And I think it's cool that she's able to, to reconnect with old friends.
0: Do you keep in touch with Kristen? Like, are you so close with her? Not really?
1: Not, not, not like we used to. No.
0: Well, if that picture is 2020, that's like just, I can tell you that's like the dream of a lot of people. So. <laughs> right. Is there anything else that, you know, with like the work that you're doing, which is so important, I don't want that to be overshadowed by all of my Hills questions, you know, like, is there anything else that you want to like talk about that you're currently doing that like I didn't touch upon? No, I just think the main thing is if if people are struggling, you know, with substance
1: abuse, mental health, trauma is, hey, you're not alone, you know, reach out. Uh, there's there's people that have gone through what you're going through, if not worse, and uh, you know, there's always help out there. I think that's the main thing is is just really spreading awareness. There's no point of isolating, harboring, you know, harboring it. Don't have shame around it. Um, reach out.
0: Reach out. Well, like to your point, you know, I mean, you've been very open and I can't imagine that that is easy. I mean, I know you've been doing this for a while now, but just I couldn't imagine like if I dealt with these issues like doing that in such a public forum and really like using that, you know, to help others. So that's God kind
1: of put it in my way, man, and there's no way around it. And I, like I said, I, I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: I wouldn't change a thing about my life. Well, then that just answers my next question. Like, if you could look back, and this will be my final question, like, you know, if you could look back at your younger self with like those dark days going through the hills and hitting rock bottom afterwards, like, would you give yourself any advice? Like, what would you say to your younger self? Look.
1: I think all great change proceeds through chaos. I think that the biggest growing periods are in your most trying times. And there's things that I've learned and experienced that most people will never experience. And I think that's helped me to be where I'm at today.
0: That's amazing. So I really appreciate you doing this, sitting down. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your story. This will come out. People will listen. I think, you know, and now where can everybody find you if they want to get in touch with you? uh either instagram
1: jason waller or my website is is probably the best is jason is the best place
0: to go that's awesome everyone needs to follow you if anyone needs help that is where you find jason thank you so much again for doing this my i place. really appreciate it of course man we'll be in touch brother thank you and have a great day you too take care stay See safe. later bye oh, hi.